creating a culture of trust is really important, but you still need policies. And, you know, I think employees also like knowing what the expectations and boundaries are because they generally do want to abide by them. But if you're not communicating them, it's difficult for them to know that they're doing so. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of While We Were Working, the show that helps you be a better people leader when it comes to small business HR topics. This week, we've got a great episode tackling big raises for this next year, and we're going to talk about the good, bad, and sometimes ugly of letting employees work from anywhere. As always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Summer Keytron, who's our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. And if you'd love to learn more about our business, go ahead and check us out at jumpstart-hr.com. All right, Summer, let's go ahead and start this week's show with While We Were Working. And can you tell people what this segment is all about? We start off our show by talking about article or something that we've stumbled across recently that we felt like it was important to talk about and share out because we know that you were so busy working that you may have missed it. All right. Awesome. So this week, we are going to talk about an article that was in HR Executive magazine. And we love HR Executive. Um, For the past three years, they voted me as a top HR tech influencer, which is always fun. And this article is... Uh, written by Catherine Meyer uh, from July 20th. And the headline says, Employers Budgeting Big Pay Raises for 2023. Now, before we get our hopes high about, you know, tripling our our income, um, do you want to share the number that is big? Like, how how big are the raises supposed to be this year? So... The average for 2023 is projected to be 4.1%. And before you get too excited, uh, the average increase for 2022 is actually 4%. So it's just edged it out um, by a bit. But when you look at historical data, uh, there was a survey done uh, by Willis Towers Watson and that data showed that this is actually the largest pay increase in the past 15 years. So four cents on the dollar is the highest pay raise we've had in quite some time. I'm actually pretty, pretty astounded by that. I'm taken away because when you think of just the cost of living increases or performance, um, I would imagine that anything less than a 4% really, you know, doesn't quite move the needle after taxes are concerned. But let's dive more into this because it's it's eye-opening to me and I think it's important for our community to listen to because 
Uh, if if we know that raises are top of mind for folks this year, you need to make it a part of your executive strategy as far as giving folks raises this year. So what else does the article share? Well, it does talk about uh, 64% of companies budgeting for higher pay raises than last year. And an interesting fact uh, to talk about what you were just mentioning are companies building out their strategy. Um, in this case, 41% of companies surveyed actually increased their budget since their original strategy and those projections that were made just earlier this year. So let's let's talk about maybe some of the reasons why those uh, projections are being increased. I think the two things that are top of mind and everyone's talking about it, uh, the first being this, you know, uh, incredible war for talent that we're in where we've seen a lot of org- individuals uh, leave employers with a great resignation. And so I think that's informed that initial assessment of, hey, let's let's bump up our our raise and, you know, let's throw money at the at the problem. Although money isn't always the answer, it it is something that can help. Um, the other aspect of that is inflation and the rising cost just to live. Uh, you know, gas prices are coming back down, thankfully, but you know, the cost to buy a house, the cost to buy eggs, uh, even the cost to buy a Costco hot dog it has gone up. So, you know, it's really about just staying on track with the cost of living in addition to, um, you know, rewarding good and effective performance. So I think those are two reasons why people are thinking about this. Um, but 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 what do you what do you think, Summer? Well, I agree with you uh, that. Like first, the title of this article is what really caught my eye. And then when I saw that it was just a tenth of a percent more uh, projected this next year than this year, you know, there's part of me that was like, okay, well, this is just an average. And so I'm thinking, okay, if I'm a company who's projecting less than uh, if I'm able to increase that, I, I really should be very seriously considering that. But it is an average. So some companies, of course, are projecting larger, which I think is really important for all of the factors that you just indicated. Because when we look at inflation specifically, and this is something that I hear uh, come up in almost every conversation about uh, existing pay practices, that from June of this year, uh, and doing a look back to June of last year, the year over year uh, consumer price index actually jumped 9.1%. So if you're looking at giving your team members an increase of, let's just say around 4%, they're still not getting ahead. It's almost a, a negative, right? It's almost a, a negative growth uh, against inflation. Right. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting uh, that all employers find a way to try to combat, you know, that type of inflation. I mean, certainly if a company is experiencing strong financial results and is able to, that's amazing. Um, and, And, you know, I think your employees would be very excited for that. But when you look at these numbers, the difference between um, the CPI and the average increases, it's no wonder that employees are motivated to make a leap for a higher paying job because that's their way of kind of correcting that situation. Right. I think it's super important when we think about the CPI, 
you know, raising to 9% and the raises only rising 4%. It's no longer about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about keeping up with, with the way of life and keeping up with, with being able to make a good living for your, for your family. And so, you know, I would imagine that there are many, many companies out there that are going above and beyond the 4%. And maybe there are just some that are uh, statistically, you know, going to keep pay flat or maybe even having some pay decreases because their businesses might be negatively impacted by the economy. Uh, but wherever you can, if you can, find a way to reward and thank your employees. Um, Another thing that I saw in the article that I wanted to call out because the whole thing was about money, but they slid something in at the tail end that said uh, in that that survey, 69% of respondents have increased workplace flexibility. And uh, I always say, if you if you aren't able to add the additional compensation, then find some other way to improve the employee experience. And I think that that workplace flexibility is a big one. You're so right. And I think that's a great teaser for our listeners that haven't followed all of our episodes to scroll a few back and take a look at where we talk about uh, some of the benefits that are low cost or no cost that companies can offer and also how to develop uh, paid time off policies and flexible work arrangements. I agree. I agree. We we've done we've done quite a bit of episodes on workplace culture and on the benefits piece. This topic here is always is always tough. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Summer, if we could probably put our small business manager hat on, which we wear every day as managers in our in our business, you know, what do you think are some of the things that might prohibit a manager or an organization from offering? raises at this 4.1% or or better. Well, I I can't ignore the fact, Joey, that you know the talk of recession has a lot of companies uh, a little nervous in perhaps providing increases uh, at this level. So, I do think that, you know, we we need to be wise uh, in how money is being spent, but just to remember that if you don't have quality team members, then you'll never be able to accomplish your goals. So to really weigh those decisions carefully, and if it really comes down to cutting costs, then I suggest you know looking at other ways to do it because you know when uh, if the economy turns down, it's going to turn back up, and uh, you definitely want to retain your top team members. Uh, to, you know, to stay with you through that time. Absolutely. And there's always the um, employee morale factor that you have to pay attention to when you're altering uh, salary one way or another. Um, the, another thing, too, I think about as a small business manager, you know, w- you and I, Summer, we're in this world all the time, but maybe there are managers out there or business owners out there who don't even know what a fair pay increase is or how to go about it or where to find that information. And so that's one of the benefits of working with a team like us because we have that information and strategy and tactics for you. Uh, but there, but ignorance, you know, ignorance isn't bliss in this regard because 
it could really do a disservice to your team if you aren't equipped to have the conversations about about uh, pay and about um, what what would be a potentially fair uh, increase for just annual increases or performance-based increases. You're so right. And we didn't even touch on that topic, but I feel like, you know, I always say, oh my gosh, that could be another episode. And in this case, that's that's definitely true because we've we've spent time during today's show talking about what the average projected increases are, but we haven't even touched on the fact that that is also anticipating that uh, most of the companies that were surveyed were, um, you know, accounting for having a baseline of uh, like appropriate market rates for their salaries to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's, let's think a little bit about maybe some action steps that, that companies can take if they want to uh, identify what would be a fair pay raise and some best practices in communicating um, pay uh, pay raises or pay increases. Sure thing. So you want to go ahead and start us off? Yeah, I will. So um, first thing I would I would do is you want to take a look at all of your your job duties. You want to look at your job descriptions rather and uh, match them up to, uh, I like to go to ONET. Um, sometimes you can check out sites like payscale.com or Glassdoor or whatever the case may be to um, get your hand on information of well, what are the market rates for these positions um, that we hire for. And I know that things can get complicated because you may have a, a marketing manager that's also doing your finance, or you may have a recruiter that's also, you know, doing something else in the business. But try to get an apples to apples comparison with your team um, about what it is they do and what that value is in the market. Um, and so I listed some of the sites you can check out. Uh, the next thing that I would recommend is establishing a process for how to talk about raises and when to talk about raises. Is that every year at the end of the year? Is it every year annually on the, a person's work anniversary? Do you have, you know, spot bonuses or spot increases? And what I mean by spot is like on the spot or whenever you feel like doing it. Um, so figure out your, your, pay, your pay strategy. Um, and then the next thing that I would do is, you know, work with HR or a company like us uh, to figure out how to communicate all of this to your team, because you may want to communicate salary increases, but you might also want to communicate uh, total compensation. So how much are your, your, how much is your paid time off worth from a dollars and cents perspective? How much are your medical contributions worth for dollars and cents perspective? So that in and of itself, too, um, you know, how to communicate total compensation is a episode or a masterclass in and of itself. But these are the sorts of things that you should be thinking about when you're ready to, to have those conversations. And there are so many different sources as you were starting to go through some of them. I started thinking to myself uh, that there are so many different sources available, especially accessible to HR professionals. and one of the uh, biggest pieces of advice that I give small business owners is that there is some 
like public information out there that you can find on various sites, but um, you have to actually drill down into those details as you discussed to really get that apples to apples. And, you know, I, I kind of compare it to like sometimes people go on websites to like check the value of their house and then they believe that that is the right number. And so it's, it's pretty similar that like it's a guesstimate, right? It's an estimate. Um, and when we look at these numbers, you definitely need an expert to help uh, make sure that you're actually starting from the right place for the position that you're trying to benchmark. That sounds like a, 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 one of our upcoming episodes needs to be about how to, how to price a job. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, I think um, we've, we've chatted quite a bit about this article and then some, but I know we have an exciting back half of the show as well. So you ready? you ready to move on? Yeah, let's jump in. So we are going to transition into Consultants Corner. Here at While We Were Working, uh, the segment Consultants Corner is our opportunity to tell you what we're seeing in the trenches. It's to answer questions you might have about workplace issues. And we're going to give you the, the, the raw and uncut of what our thoughts are, what the jumpstart way is in solving your challenges. And as always, this segment is sponsored by Jumpstart HR. So if you're interested in our services and need an expert on your team to manage your day-to-day -day HR issues, reach us at jumpstart-hr.com. If you have a question that you want us to answer on this segment, reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com. And we'll be happy to get your uh, question up on the rotation. This week, we are uh, talking about um, a company wants to allow employees to work from anywhere. Let's chat about the good, bad, and extremely dangerous. Oh, my. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and start us off on this one. This is actually a topic that has come up at several different clients uh, recently, of course, you know, with so many businesses moving to a work from home arrangement indefinitely, there's been, you know, kind of different things communicated to their employees about what this looks like. And so I wanted to share a couple of stories and what we've learned along the way and some best practices in case there are folks listening who are thinking they wanted to do the same, but maybe aren't aware of what some of the, the challenges in doing so could look like. So, um, Go for it. Sure, thanks. So wanted to chat, Joey, first about the difference between a work from home policy versus a work from anywhere policy, because I've heard these terms used interchangeably and they are actually quite different. Um, please notice that I'm also using the word policy because um, just having a practice for this type of um, for this type of, uh, you know, business need or this, you know, this type of this in your organization, you actually need a policy so that you kind of point back to it and say, this is exactly what we do for everybody. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. Um, and I'm going to steal that quote or somehow put it into our marketing because you're right. Just because you, you do a thing doesn't mean that it, there's a rules that you set. Um, so to practice it doesn't mean that you have a policy around it. 
And uh, I also agree that people use those terms interchangeably and then employers get mad, right? So how many times have we seen an employer think that an employee is working from home, but really they're working from a, a, a vacation destination or they're working from a family member's house or they're working from a coffee shop and the employer is disgruntled and frustrated because they thought the person was at home when really uh, the employee just said, hey, uh, home is home is where my laptop is. <laughs> home is where the Wi-Fi is. As long as it's not at your office, it's, ho- it's home to me. So yeah, that's, that's one of the, um, the ugly uh, thing sometimes is not having clear communication about where you're authorizing um, people to work from. And that's an important question because uh, a big aspect of a work, a work remote policy, uh, again, we're going to use policy uh, as, the, as the key that you have to have, um, a policy is your cybersecurity risk. And so there's a difference between a person's home network, which is likely password protected, versus going to a coffee shop and maybe joining a network with uh, some security risk. And so you want to make sure that um, that you're you're thinking about how people are logging on to the internet, which is the is an information superhighway, and who might potentially um, intercept that information. One of the pieces of feedback that I often hear from companies in regards to being resistant to creating policies in general is that, well, they trust their employees, they haven't had any problems, and they don't want to be, um, they don't, they don't want to feel like they're restricting their employees. And so I, I definitely understand that you know, creating a culture of trust is really important, but you still need policies. And, you know, I think employees also like knowing what the expectations and boundaries are because they generally do want to abide by them. But if you're not communicating them, it's difficult for them to know that they're doing so. So let's talk a little bit about just the highlights of like the differences between these two policies and where some of the biggest challenges are. Uh, because, you know, we, we hear about working from home and that's, you know, as, as you described, Joey, typically working um, from an individual's primary residence or in the whereabouts within. And I find that most companies allow some flexibility that you don't actually have to be physically in your house, but that, um, you know, as long as you're residing within the general proximity and you're not crossing into another state for an extended period of time, then there should be no harm, no foul. And I love that you you alluded to the crossing state lines piece, because um, if a person is, let's just say indefinitely or permanently or for an extended period of time, given the opportunity to have a flexible work arrangement, and they say, we, well, we did an episode on this too, where mm-hmm. so many, I think it was like 34% of HR pros had no idea where their employees uh, were working. Uh, so you may want to check that episode. But if you, for example, let's say you, your office is in the state of California 
and then your employee is given flexible work opportunity, and then they decide, hey, my family is in Columbus, Ohio. I want to hang out there for a bit because there's no reason that my boss would ever call me back into the office. Uh, You now have a situation where your employee should be paying um, payroll or employment employer e-taxes into the state, and you've just uh, unknowingly set up some uh, tax responsibilities there. So from a state tax, payrolls tax, unemployment tax perspective, uh, where a person works matters. Um, and then another thing that uh, you, you've done in our research here is talk about the international component, right? Uh, anybody that's on Instagram or TikTok sees those advertisements of come work in, in Costa Rica for, for no cost or whatever the case may be. Um, and that's enticing to a person, but then uh, you have to think about maybe the international implications. Um, you know, everything from will, will their medical plan work while they're out there? What happens if an evacuation is required for U.S. citizens? Um, there's a whole host of things that you have to think about from the a, a, a geographic standpoint. But I think there's some other things you, you mentioned that we should talk about too. Yes, I would say that the international aspect is the one that uh, we're talking about the most because employees are excited at this new opportunity to potentially travel abroad and still be able to work. I mean, it's it's not necessarily something that's been as accessible previously. Uh, as it is today. And I think that generally companies, they they want to be able to offer this to their team members because they feel like it's the right thing to do. But as we start to dive into what's actually necessary to do that in a manner that is compliant, uh, most of the small businesses uh, that I've spoken to, once they understand those complexities, back away from it. And so when I talk about uh, kind of the the good, the bad, and extremely dangerous, um, good is offering your team members flexibility with those boundaries. As we mentioned, creating a policy that's clearly communicated. For, again, most of the businesses that we work with, they've um, kind of set a timeline in the most conservative uh, part of the spectrum saying that if you are to travel into another state for more than 30 days or another country for more than 30 days, assuming that it has granted this individual the appropriate visas to be there, um, then 30 days is considered a visit as opposed to like a longer term stay or a move. And so those still do require company, um, you know, company approval in advance, but Companies are saying, hey, we can handle that short-term stay. But anything beyond that um, is definitely going to require looking into further for the reasons within the U.S. that you mentioned, Joey. But internationally, there's actually larger concerns. So just to kind of talk about those as you know, kind of quickly as possible, of course, you know, different countries have different labor laws. They have different rules for uh, individuals coming over there and working. Um, you've got places like Portugal who are like welcoming Americans with open arms, making it very easy to go and work there. Um, and 
you know, that's wonderful, but not every country is like that. And if a company has an employee working somewhere um, and say they find out about it later down the road, based on that individual country's rules, that business may now be on the hook to actually um, what's, you know, what's considered establish their business there, even though they had no intentions of doing so because this team member was working there. So you've got, you know, all sorts of um, labor law, um, business law, you've got all of those taxes that you now have to comply with. So getting in front of it, creating that policy, communicating it to your team members, and making sure that they understand that it's truly not, you know, just a free for all go anywhere um, is super important. Um, because if you let your team members know this up front, it'll be easier for them to follow the rules. You can manage their expectations and not have to be the one to necessarily say no, because they'll know up front that it's just not something the company can do. Yeah. And I've, I've heard it said before, uh, fences make good neighbors. And so uh, fences in this regard is a policy and uh, good neighbors are employees that know what they can and can't do and are able to work within those those boundaries to create uh, a great employee experience. Um, one thing I'll tease, and then I know we're going to wrap the show, is uh, people get confused about snow days as well. That's something you want to discuss in your policy, whether a snow day, if the office is closed, is a uh, work from home day, or if it is truly a snow day where you uh, can put on your Netflix and... Um, wait for the office. So if you have questions about your uh, compensation uh, strategy, if you have questions about how to put together a, a work from anywhere or work from home policy, uh, make sure you reach out to us at jumpstart.hr.com where we help small businesses every day overcome these challenges and build great businesses. So until next time, we will see you next week. For more HR strategies that will take your company to the next level, visit whilewewereworking.com.